Hi, everyone. My name is Melanie Pitsy. I'm the CEO of the GPA. And I'm Tiffany Appleby, SVP of Alliances and Marketing at Amidas. And you're listening to the Humans of Payroll podcast. We love the payroll industry and the talented people within it. In each episode, we'll introduce you to another fantastic payroll person who will share their expertise and personal experiences. So, hey, Tiffany, shall we get going? Let's get going. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Hey, Mel. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's cold in the UK still. It seems like last time I saw you, it was cold. It's not changed, but um, <laughs> no, it's it's all good from the GPA perspective. And definitely looking forward to the spring, or I'm going to come out and do our next podcast sitting in your house uh, in Texas for the warmth, Tiffany. Yes, hopefully it'll be here by then. It looks a little London-esque outside. It's oh. cold and rainy, and but we'll get there soon enough. It'll be lovely. So unfortunately, our guest today won't be able to join us for the Backyard Sunshine since she's here on this rainy, gray day. Yeah. So we have um, Joe Marshall with us today, and um, many of our listeners will know of Joe, but hopefully we'll find out a little bit more about Joe over the next um half hour 45 minutes so hi joe thank you for joining us hello hi good morning hi mel uh hi Tiffany. how we how are we all doing okay excellent we're so excited to have you on the podcast joe welcome thank you thank you great to be here thank you and and i don't know if you can tell uh tiffany i'm obsessed with joe's accent so joe's from like the north part of the uk and um she has one of the the loveliest accents i can listen to all day every day maybe i haven't told you that joe maybe there's a secret that's just come out that i'm, I'm obsessed with your accent so that's why you want me to do all these podcasts isn't it mel <laughs> listen to me <laughs> yeah. yeah so um joe to start off with can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got into payroll uh, yes, sure. Um, well, it's been a few years, to be fair. I've been in payroll for 20 some years, dare I say. Um, but yeah, I think like most people, you kind of, it becomes just something else you do as part of your, your main job, really. Um, so for me, it was working for a firm of solicitors. And believe it or not, I was the receptionist of firm of solicitors. And part of my job was to help the legal cashier and her role was, of course, all the accounts and payroll as well. But she was fabulous. And she was um, a kind of you know a real um superhero of mine and she showed me right from the back you know the the basics of payroll using those books using those calculation tables and she showed me how to process payroll and then from there on my career just flourished I went on to be a, a legal cashier working with with a couple of firms of solicitors and then eventually I ended up working with a, a software developer which I did for 10 years and uh, the product was a HR and payroll solution and because I'd had exposure to payroll again it got loaded with me Nobody else in the company seemed to want to touch it, but I was quite happy to do when working with a development team. It was fabulous. And I got to work with HMRC. So when I joined the company, this was before RTI. You know, we were still doing things quite quite a lot of the time by post. And um, before RTI joined us, HMRC used to have an accreditation with payroll providers in the UK. So um, the inspector, the HMRC inspector would come on site to our, our offices, spend two or three days with me, testing the system 
So they would test, you know, maternity, tax calculations, care codes, etc. And if the software didn't return the results of the penny, we risked losing the accreditation. So from a marketing point of view, we couldn't risk that because you had the HMRC logo. That was your selling point. And it was reassurance for users you know, HMRC had tested this thing. It's got their logo on. We know we're safe and we're secure. We can use it. Um, but of course, RTI joined us and they got rid of the accreditation expenses. I'm sure it was, of course, the cost, the overheads of doing that. So now there is still a recognition scheme. It's there, of course. It's on the HMRC website. You can see the list of providers. But it's, it's kind of the, just the submission. It's the RTI submission. We get a return back sort of thing. And uh, and that's kind of it. So for me, as my career went on, of course, changes happen, etc. I decided about seven years ago to go freelance. And it was more about sharing the knowledge of general payroll. That was trying that that was the key to get the message across to kind of all of us because that, as I say, that accreditation's gone. So now it's not a case of what's the software doing; it's what the software should be doing. That's the question we need to ask. So that's why I've kind of changed my career slightly now to a certain extent. Still dealing with payroll, still love payroll, um, but it's more about the training side of things and consultancy helping out businesses, of course, uh, whatever, whether it's an implementation or periling of benefits or whatever it may be, uh, but to, just to try and share that knowledge a little bit more. So there we go, a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, just you think about the, you talked about your mentor early on that really showed you, like, how incredible that she had such a, like, direct influence on your career and now it sounds like you get to give back as well to others in you know doing the training and consulting very cool yeah, absolutely. And it is, again, you kind of get to that point in your career. And sadly, I'm kind of getting there as well, where how many more years have we got to go? And it is sharing the knowledge to the next generation. Uh, again, working with GPA and the apprenticeship scheme, uh, that's a big passion of mine to share the knowledge with the next generation of payrollers coming through. And it's not just, you know, we kind of think of, of apprenticeships and we think of, you know, kind of kids coming out of, uh, of high school and colleges. Where it's actually anybody who's been in payroll for, you know, you may have been there for a few years. Uh, it could be, you know, kind of people of similar age to myself who just want that qualification, a further understanding behind, let's be honest, what the software is actually doing or what it should be doing. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's fabulous to be able to share that with other people. And I think one thing that we we were both um, surprised about with the apprenticeship scheme um, was the, the different age ranges uh, joining. And uh, one of the really wonderful things that I think that you've helped um, those people on the apprenticeship scheme is seeing their uh, confidence grow. So um, there was one lady who um, I will say was slightly more mature um, during, you know, starting out in the apprenticeship scheme. And when I spoke to her, she was so nervous, like really, really nervous, like didn't know what to expect. And then within three months, she's like, I've got a fire in my belly. And, and, and that's, you know, for somebody who's timid to saying I've got a fire on my belly and I, I feel like really passionate and empowered and um and like to see that change in three months. That, that's wonderful things that you can do, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely, yes, yeah. And just as you say, to, to have that influence and to encourage people, you know, again, they have the power, the skills to do this. Um, and and it's fabulous. It's great. And the reward is fabulous, not just of course their, their confidence, but when they get it, when they get the calculation, when they get what the software should again should be doing, it is, it's a full, really rewarding role. 
So for any of our listeners that may not be, this might have sparked something for them, right? Can you guys tell them a little bit more about like, what is the apprenticeship scheme? How do they get into it? Is it open for people to join or if they know someone that might be interested in it? Can you guys share anything more about the program? It sounds incredible. So yeah, the, the apprenticeship scheme has been going um, for a few years now and um, the GPA got involved actually from pressure from the payroll community because they were like, why aren't you doing it? And it is it is actually quite difficult to start the process of um, teaching people within the apprenticeship scheme. And um, COVID, I don't know if this is the wrong or right thing to say, but COVID actually did us a favour um, during that time um, because uh, Kate Upcraft um, was, she thought she was going to be really quiet but she wasn't in the end, but she thought she was going to be really quiet uh, during COVID. And she said, you know, if you need me to do anything, I was like, well, actually, um, we want the material written for um, the apprenticeship scheme. Um, and I think um, having Kate do that, uh, Joe, I think you'll agree, was such a brilliant um, thing for for the GPA because she started off really good foundations, which Joe has then um you know um moved forward into joe's style and 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 then from stuff that we've learned so anybody can do the apprenticeship scheme so it's not just for you know uh, the young generation 18 year olds wanting to get into uh, payroll it can be anybody um of any age and and obviously that's what we've seen and there are uh, a number of different providers who deliver the apprenticeship scheme so there's level three and now there's level five and I think they're even talking about level seven now. Um, and it is funded as well. So if you, uh, Joe, I think you can correct me on this. Is it um, if you pay into the um, the levy, then um, it only costs around £500 for an 18-month uh, course for the employers. So it comes out of uh, the levy that companies have to pay into. So it's almost like if you don't, if you don't have an apprentice, you're wasting that money. So you might as well use the uh, the levy on 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 the, having a, a payroll apprentice, really. So yeah, so it's a, it's an amazing thing for the payroll industry. I missed anything, Joe. No, I think you're absolutely right, Mel. You're correct. Um, and again, when we think of apprentices, but just as we've both said, Mel, it can be of any age. So it could be educating somebody who's already in the role or is already, you know, maybe part of their role is to do the payroll. So they can also take advantage of this as well. And I, I do believe there's co-funding available. So if you're not paying into the levy, don't worry too much. Um, the government will put forward, I think it's 95%. Yeah of that cost anyway so it's a really good really good scheme to look into um but yeah well well worth well worth doing as mel said it's an 18 month course so we cover all the basics that kate upcraft created in an amazing 18 month course 31 modules we cover and we cover that real foundation behind payroll everything from tax and national insurance to court order student loans all the way through and anything in between and pensions of course we forget that we also manage pensions in payroll as well so there's a huge amount of um, topics covered within that 18 month period and then we have the exams we work with the CIPP as the endpoint assessor so that the uh, students of course can be tested and hopefully of course get that qualification moving forward. It's a wonderful opportunity for people and and I think other countries are have something similar maybe or qualifications and you know it's because obviously we're, we're global it is just for the for England unfortunately um so it would be amazing to be able to offer that sort of scheme everywhere in the world I mean wouldn't that be like the perfect scenario that every every country in the world would do something like that that would definitely get a payroll on the map then wouldn't it 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it sets a standard as well, doesn't it? When we think about payroll qualifications in the UK, there are only kind of a few out there, kind of key ones. So it would be nice just to have a platform that everybody's going from. This is the foundation for it to start off with. And then we work our way through our career to build on that education. So so you're absolutely right, Mel. It'd be fabulous if we could do that globally. For sure, especially when we think about it, and it's so fun. And that's why I think Mel and I always like to ask the question of our guests, like, how did you wind up in payroll? Because no one goes through school of, I'm going to be in payroll, so let me take the courses that I need to know. So if you don't get the right on the, if you don't have the right mentor at your company, um, you know, you're kind of left, I think, to probably wade through and figure it out. And something as important as payroll, that's not something we ever really want to do is just figure it out. Right. So I think having the program is just, it sounds phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, it, it is fabulous. And I think you're absolutely right. How do we, I suppose, how do we get those, you know, if we think about the next generation, those younger, younger people coming through to actually want to go into payroll initially, because I think there's a view of payroll, isn't there, and, and what the job entails. But it's very different. You know, again, if I look at my career, I only actually had a few years where I processed payroll. The rest mm. of it working with a software developer, uh, developer. The next one, of course, was becoming a trainer and teaching payroll to everybody else. So it doesn't, the starting point is always the foundation. With every single career, it's going to be the same. Get the qualification, get the hands-on experience of what this is about. But from there on, you make your decision, of course, you can take this further. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's a really good starting point. I met um, this um, lady in uh, Dublin and she made me feel so old. Like she was one of those amazing payroll people that um, I would say is young. And I don't mean that in patronising, but she started off. Her, she actually wanted to get into payroll and she was told that there wasn't, um, I think it was a similar situation to the apprenticeship levy, but they've got a similar scheme in, in Ireland. And they, she was told there wasn't such a scheme. Anyway, she found out that there was. And so she was one of the very few people that I know that wanted to get into payroll. And she's so successful. And um, I don't want to ask her how old she is, but I think she may be mid-20s and she's already a payroll manager. And I think, oh, you know, they're, they're the people that we, you know, we want more. We want people of all different levels. But it would be amazing to have more people choose to get into payroll and then really see the rewards at, at a young age. Because payroll actually isn't that badly paid, I don't think, is it? If you think of it doesn't matter what age you are or whatever you can work up quite quickly within payroll and and earn quite a good salary yeah absolutely you're absolutely right Mel. and I think the key is you know as far as payroll is concerned every business needs it you know if you if you have even just a handful of employees you have to pay them and we've got to put that through of course PAYE we've got to put it through payroll so every single business and even if you think oh I'll outsource this and somebody else will do it it's still the employer's responsibility. We still need to have some understanding behind what's going on and, of course, what the provider's doing as well. So I think, for me, it's an absolutely vital role for every single business and a guaranteed job, isn't it? If we think about security really moving forward, it's a guaranteed. You can, you know, talk about automation, right, and outsourcing and all of those things, but you're exactly right, Joe. You still have to have people within your company wearing your name badge and your logo that are making sure that things are right are being the resource for the employees i think that that is one of the most overlooked kind of customer service um aspects and customer being the employee 
aspects of payroll. I remember my very first job out of school. I think it was the first time I was getting paid and I was like exempt plus, which in the U S meant that I was like salary full time. But if I worked overtime, I had some overtime calculation and, um, so I had to clock in and out and I missed a swipe or something and my paycheck was wrong. And, um, that was especially back at the time that everyone was in the corporate office and our payroll manager came upstairs and she said, Hey, I heard that your check is wrong. And I said, yeah. And so I, we kind of went through it and she's like, I will be right back. She walked downstairs. She recalculated my payroll. She came back up with a check for the difference. Wow. And I was 22 years old. Like at that time, whatever I was shorted was one, absolutely vital to me, but two, really set this kind of like, oh, wow, payroll's on my side. Yes. So I think that, you know, where that was probably something so normal, and her name was Jenny and she was phenomenal, and like something so normal for her to do made such a huge impact. And if there was no one that was there to be able to have that conversation with me and make me feel okay that I was going to be made whole with my pay, like, you know, that would have been like just a really bad experience for me. But instead it was something wonderful that I remember 20 plus from 20 years ago. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And I think I think that's another key thing, isn't it? Again, we talk about the business and payroll is the biggest, generally it's the biggest overhead for any business. And of course our customers but uh, and our employees but the reason we all go to work, let's be honest, is to get paid. And if we get paid incorrectly, we're not happy. And so in order to manage these employees and in order to manage that huge overhead, we need to try and make sure it's correct. So you're absolutely right, Tiffany. You know, having that relationship with our employees means that we have a happy employee, hopefully means we have happy customers. And of course, the world goes round on the back of that. But you, you, you're correct. Yes, you're absolutely right. There's, again, if you imagine you're an employee, you've just signed a contract, your first pay is wrong, then they try to correct it and it's wrong again in the next month. And then finally, of course, you kind of think, do you know what, I'm, I'm done here. And business, you know, employees do make those decisions on the back of maybe bad payments that have come through to them. There, there was a survey actually that said after two incorrect payments, then people will uh, start looking for a job. And I was, I was telling somebody that and they said, funny enough, my son's had his pay incorrect twice and he's now looking for a job. And I was like, oh my God, he's proofing the pudding. Like, you know, he's, yes. uh, but do you think um, because payroll people know how important it is, like, you know, that lady um, who helped you, Tiffany, with your pay, I mean, what a fantastic experience. Like that's, that is almost like going above and beyond. So how many other company uh, departments would actually have that? Great. That skill, but do you think in some ways that um, that's to the detriment of some payroll people because they care too much? Do you think? Definitely. I mean, anytime I will say I have been with payroll people at the time that payroll is being run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the as soon as something is wrong, as soon as they've been alerted that something's wrong, they stop everything have to go fix. I've been, interestingly, I was at one of our HCM partners conferences many, many years ago, and the conference just happened to fall at during the pay period of the time that it was really, really vital that the payroll teams were overseeing uh, the processing. And it was the night of the party. And I was with one of our mutual customers and something went wrong. And she's like, nope, absolutely dropped what she was doing off. She went to solve it came back hours later. Um, but yes, it's definitely like 
I think probably right the sense of personal ownership of making sure that people's livelihood is protected and correct, I have to imagine can be such an emotional drain on payroll teams. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I com- but, but you're absolutely right. People do try their best. And I think that's the thing with payroll, isn't it? Payroll people, we want it to be correct. We've got this thing about accuracy. And I think uh, very different to HR. When we think about HR, I always describe these shades of grey and then really kind of digging into those. Where in, in payroll, we tend to be quite black and white. It's either right or it's wrong. And so it can yeah. come down to that, doesn't it? Where we just want it to be right for the employee. You're absolutely correct. But I do find on, you know, again, when we think about the payroll environment and certainly the bigger the company, we talk about cutoff dates when the data needs to be with the payroll team. But um, the amount of you know delegates, clients that I speak to, where they always accept after the cutoff date. So even though it's going to put them, you know, their back up against this to try and get the deadline to get that back payment made out to everybody, they still try to accept more data so it's correct for the employee. It's just incredible. We are an incredible uh, force of the payroll professionals. For sure. And I'm thinking just as you described that, Joe, and I've seen it happen in other companies um, that I've worked for. It's almost like I feel like there's like tremendous, there would be tremendous value in the internal PR within the business of what that does when you send data for late inputs and, and the strain that that puts and then potentially the downstream impact of employed that employee or multiple employees not receiving their pay on time. Like as a manager working for several companies, like I was never told of like, here's what happens if you're late. It's for the rest of the business. It's like, oh, there's this deadline, but it's okay. Because payroll handles it with such grace because you want it to be right that, I don't know, I think I can just visualize this internal PR campaign of like, help payroll, help you help your employees. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. And I think, you know, I suppose the other side of the car, we just, I've just mentioned, of course, the reason, real reason we all go to work is to get paid. But you, again, the deadline day is because on the back of that, once that money goes into the bank account, they've got bills to pay, mortgages, of course, and they're usually direct debits that are coming out. So there's another reason why we try, we strive to, of course, to get this correctly. And then you tie into things like compliance, of course, you've got things like national minimum wage. So we need to make sure, of course, they're being paid at least at that rate as well. So an, it's an interesting one, isn't it, where we try to help our our colleagues of course and our customers we're still conscious of this compliance issue that we have in the I'm sure it's in other countries as well but certainly in the UK I've just mentioned national minimum wage but holiday pay is a big thing for us at the moment you've got things like um, off payroll working and all of it is having a huge impact on the payroll team and quite a lot of that is outside of their remit you know the the typical question does payroll actually get told if somebody takes a holiday the chances are they probably don't so again how do we yes how do we capture all of that information but payroll still take ownership for it but again whenever I'm I'm discussing these compliance issues it's always payroll who seem to step up who seem to the ones trying to make it right for employees when we had our um, conference a couple uh, last week I say a couple weeks it was only last week and uh, Nick Bryant presented and I thought he came up with some really interesting comments and it's along the lines of your campaign Tiffany which I think I might uh, steal your slogans um but he uh, was just basically saying that payroll do not tell people how complicated something is. So if you're doing something that is complicated, we don't, payroll does not tell 
uh, anybody. They just go, da-da, here we go. He said, actually, mm-hmm. we need to start feeding back and going, right, if we do this for you, this is the this is what's going to happen. This is why it's so complicated and it's not so easy. And he was saying about trying to empower his team um, to also have that feedback. So he'll say to one of his team, why are you doing that? And it will be like two days worth, worth of work. He said, well, because I said I'll do it for them. And he's like, but do they know it's two days worth of work? No, because I haven't explained it. So that's that's going along the lines of your slogan, Tiffany. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teachable moments for the business. And, you know, you're exactly right. It's like this magic wand, right? And and we always say it, right? It's how payroll never gets thanked when things are right. They only get, you know, come after and, and complained at when things are wrong. And I think it's because it's like, you know, watching figure skating, right? Like you see the performance and it's beautiful, but you have no idea how hard it is and all of the work on the back end. And so, yeah, I think it's just something that that the teachable moment with the business to understand, yeah, I can do this, but this is what this means. Um, you know, I think is is important. It's, it's something that probably hasn't been modeled ever in payroll because especially as like, you know, time has progressed and like the magic wand has just been the expectation. Um, You know, it's not something I think probably a lot of people have even thought about challenging and saying like, hey, you have to understand what it takes to be able to do this. I know as a manager, I would appreciate hearing it. Like, how can I help you, you know, make things run a little more smoothly? Joe, what are other things as you as you spend time with your customers? This sounds like certainly it's something that that they worry about and they need help with, but what's something else that's common that comes up as a concern that they have or, or an area of the business that they need help with? Um, I think I think a lot of them, believe it or not, is, is the software. Um, again, I, I, we were talking about the apprenticeships and the apprenticeship scheme. And I had uh, one of our cohorts. I was doing a module review with them this morning. And I was chatting to one of the learners who's just implementing a new uh, payroll software. And some of the things she was describing to me, it was just almost horrifying because we expect the software to be able to manage a logic. And again, that's where it is, isn't it? A lot of the things we do, there's a logic behind it. Therefore, the software can be programmed to do that. But again, just simple things, the software not doing those things. And this is, again, where the apprenticeship and these courses really come together because she knows now, of course, the software is doing that incorrectly. And she knows then she needs to pick that up and take that on with the provider. So even the software being able to do things, but there is a bigger requirement from software and things that I've already mentioned, national minimum wage, holiday pay, off payroll working. But holiday pay is a really key one because it's case law that's driving that forward at the moment in the UK. And it's difficult for the software developers to de- develop something because it's ever changing. Again, we may have a case uh, come through you know, the, in 2023, which changes those dynamics again. But from a business point of view, we know we have to do this. But then how do we get how do we calculate that? How do we deal with that? And it's a huge mammoth task. So I think there's two areas, really, the software being compliant and good to tick all the boxes that they need. That includes, you know, a certain part of HR as well. We talk about HR feeding data into payroll. And of course, uh, picking up that information and doing those calculations for us. But the compliance issue, I think, is a big burden for businesses and almost scared. Um, We have in the UK something called national minimum wage and the enforcers, the HMRC. And it feels like, and I do say this every time, it feels like they're trying to catch us out. 
So instead of just ensuring that someone is being paid at either at or above cost minimum wage, it seems to be the almost minor things to a certain extent where they're picking up on and those businesses. And of course, it terrifies everybody to a point of where I think even when HMRC try to help, you know, we'll come out, we'll do a health check for you. Businesses don't want them anywhere near. You know, so so I think those are kind of two kind of key issues really for most businesses and of course payroll professionals as well. And they need to get their money in, don't they? I think from what I hear, I think that's a, a global issue. Um, you know, obviously not with the national minimum wage, but the governments need to to get their their pennies in, don't they? So um, they're they're tightening, um, you know, tightening things and and looking at where they can get their money in. So uh, I was with uh, Lee a couple of weeks ago and. And he's even saying, like, on the global mobility side, you have to be more aware of certain things because actually different countries are now changing, you know, uh, legislation or how they want things to be done. And you can be caught out and fined and and all sorts. So it's it's almost like um, it's a it's a new world, isn't it? Because, as I said, you know, governments in all these different countries need to start getting their money back. Yeah, I think you're right, Alan. I think, again, when I look back, well, even my career, but even 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we still had, you know, remember dispensations that we used to Yes. And that was agreement. So, you know, generally the employer knew the HMRC could be in the inspector, of course, or whoever, but they knew that person, that person knew them and they knew the business. And there was always that relationship there, but it's gone it's gone we're literally on our own and again another thing we keep talking about at the moment are reimbursements so another issue with hmrc is they've updated their interpretation of eye tests of course if we're using computers at work there's a tax exemption that allows us to have our eyes tested uh, because we're using computers and of course if we need glasses on the back of that we can have that as a tax-free exemption and in history again over the last decade probably more than that businesses have reimbursed an employee you go get your eyes tested we'll pay for it no problem but now hmrc even updated their interpretation of that piece of legislation and they're saying to us no it's taxable so if it's a reimbursement that we give, it now becomes taxable and it's forever moving, isn't it? We talk about compliance, but that's what businesses are literally trying to chase, the payroll professional, trying to work out what, what's changed today, what's been updated today and what do we need to know about. It's incredible and people, you know, wonder. And it's so, I think before you have experience, right, actually processing payroll and having to understand all of these things, in one country, and then you multiply that out, right, especially in terms of working, you know, with multiple countries, like how complex that type of environment is, or even like what feels as an employee, like the smallest of things is I'm going to get reimbursed for my my eye check, just means something totally different in the UK, for example, than it probably means in the US, than it means in, you know, Ireland, than it means in any other country. That's that's a that's a really good point because we uh, we were talking um, earlier this week and they were saying about um, a benefit in Ireland is you know accommodation or you know uh, having that sorted out and I was like that might be a totally different thing in the UK you know like that could be a national uh, national minimum wage uh, issue couldn't it but in Ireland you it could be all you know fine and you can do it but watch out if you're in um, the U- uh, UK you could end up on their naughty list in the media for. Um, you know, going against national minimum wage. So if you have a global payroll, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's stressful just doing maybe the UK payroll and the challenges and everything else, and then multiply that by 
five, ten, fifteen, you know, like it's it's amazing. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Malam. And again, when we think about the UK, we, we forget actually we've got four, haven't we? We've got the four nations and Northern Ireland generally they do their own thing. They have the Employment Rights Order, of course, compared to the Employment Rights Act that we have in Great Britain. And then even things like court orders, Scotland do their own thing in, as far as court orders are concerned. So it is quite interesting. Even when we think of the UK, there's still these four different parts to it ultimately. But you're right, you times that up and make that global it's a huge challenge it's a huge challenge for businesses do you think payroll people have changed since you started in payroll joe uh yes i think that has to be the answer yes it has because back in you know back in the day when i first started this i think the deduction was literally tax and national insurance that was it so it was just a calculation process that's kind of what payroll was and then um in 2000 we introduced student loans so that became a third statutory deduction if you like apart from court orders as well but um yeah that became a third statutory deduction and then from there on i think it was around 2005 we implemented salary sacrifice and that's where you really get this huge um join together from hr of course and the payroll teams as well working together on those uh, contractual agreements what's actually being agreed so yeah I think it has changed I think gone are the days where you know you kind of think the job is just sat at a desk inputting data I think those days are gone really for me I, I think and I've, I've made this kind of clear throughout for me it's about the um, analysis is and that's what our job is we keep talking about compliance but it's checking what the software should be doing and is that right is that correct and as you said trying to make sure our, our employees are paid correctly um so for me it's, i think it's a very different world and certainly when we think about technology back in my day we used to post the p45 copy to hmrc of course those days are fully gone absolutely gone so it is i think for me it's much a much more rewarding ward uh, root uh, rule sorry uh much more rewarding rewarding uh, profession um going back to again those old calculations to how it is now completely different and have you seen the expectations that the business has of payroll change during that time as well i think it depends on the type of business so again the bigger the organization and we we we've heard this before of course the bigger the organization the more recognition there seems to be for payroll as in this is the payroll director it's you know again 10 years ago we would never have heard of that but now it seems to be becoming more and more uh, key which is great stuff but again the smaller the company the smaller the requirement I suppose or the, the, the lower numbers as far as payroll's concerned and therefore it just becomes somebody else's job so they're working in accounts and this is just another job they do or they work in HR and this is another job that they do so I think the bigger the organisation, absolutely, yes. The higher that profession goes, you're absolutely right. Why Why do you Why are you so passionate about payroll, Joe? What do you reckon it is? Because I think we've we've spoken to many people, Tiffany, and Joe's definitely got that thing <laughs> that she she brings you along the journey, doesn't she? What 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 is it, Joe? Do, do you know? I don't know. I just love it. I just love it. I always have just enjoyed it I've just enjoyed right from the cats and I think you know maybe that's the type of person I am I'm more practical I think really and so going back to how things were you know 20 plus years ago where it was just the calcs and you had a right or a wrong answer and that kind of you know black and white that I described earlier on so for me that was always the the key thing but then it becomes this huge area as you move through your career certainly for myself as I've moved through my career and then trying to find out things that are going to happen in the future uh, and again trying 
trying to plan for the software and the development. Then you start to dig into, well, this is the legislation and then this is the secondary and this is the interpretation of that legislation. And it just goes on and on. And then you move on to case law. And I just love it. I absolutely love it. Quite sad, really, but I do. <laughs> but I think the joy for me is trying to break it down and I am kind of I think known for this of just making it bite-sized chunks and just easy hopefully easy for people to digest and understand I try to break it down into a simple term just a simple explanation just so we have a high level understanding of what's actually required and then of course once we get that we can get into the nitty-gritty of the detail uh, Joe's definitely uh can I do you mind me saying this Joe but I think you are definitely a payroll geek yes (laughs) Yes, I am. No, I completely agree, Mel. <laughs> I haven't argued with that. <laughs> I love it, though. But it's it's the passion that's needed, I think, right? It's a tough job. And, you know, it's even tougher if you're not energized by what it is that you're doing and in- really just interested and engaged and just it fills your bucket, right? So it's got to make it a bit easier, the tough stuff. Yes, absolutely. And you can make it as challenging or as easy as you want it to be. And I think that's the, again, the beauty and why I love what I do at the moment. There is a variation so I can get into the challenges and really into the nitty gritty. Or if I want a bit of an easier day, I can move on to something that's a bit, a little bit easier to take on. But yes, it is. It's it's a role that I absolutely love. And for me, it's been a, a fabulous career. So hopefully a few more years still to go as well. But yeah, just something that I'm very passionate about and really do enjoy. And I think, again, when I, I look back over my career, I remember when I worked for the software development company, they quite often pulled me into a sales environment. So if there was, if they had a, a, a you know, a, an opportunity to sell the, the product, they would always ask me to attend the meeting. And quite often I would, quite interesting, quite often I would sit and just talk to the payroll manager who was probably just being dragged along with the ride and trying to convince them that the software either could do what they needed to do or actually to say, it's not going to work. And I would go back to the sales exec saying the HR should be okay, but the the payrolls are just not going to work for them. And I think that helps, doesn't it, really, from that sales point of view. And I think that's another thing that's a shame about products at the moment. It seems to be all about the sales and not really about what the software is capable of and what you, of course, what it's, what it's going to do for your business. So, yeah, so quite an interesting career, really. <laughs> Sorry. I can imagine. I can imagine any salesperson ever would want to bring you along to win over the hearts of the payroll team. Um, yes, I think that was invaluable to them. I have to expect. If you weren't in payroll, what would you be doing? Molly well, gee, that's a really good question. I've absolutely no idea. I don't know. Again, when again when you think back to when you were, a, you know, a kid at school, sort of thing. I think the police was um, quite a key one uh, that I, I kind of had an interest in. But again, just how life turns out, isn't it? You just the opportunities, and I think I think that's the key one again when we talk about you know the the kids kind of leaving school and where they're going to be. It's opportunities that come along, and this is a conversation I've had with a few people, whether it's managers or recruitment. But it's, we refer to it as the diamond in the rough. Where it's the it's the passion, it's the enthusiasm, and I think that's where the opportunities have come come from. Because I could say yes, and I have been lucky. The opportunities that I've had, but it's because I shine. It, it, dare I say I shine? But it's because 
I have that enthusiasm, the passion, the drive to want to do it. And I think at recruitment, that's what stands out. So if you've got somebody who's not saying anything and not really getting involved, where comparison of course to somebody who is, then there may just be further opportunities for that person. But again, recruitment is just one key, one key part of it to get your foot in the door. It's also proving who you are as well. And I think the also, those opportunities come from that as well, your, your um, passion, your ambition and where you want to be. Oh my god, you could be a politician for payroll. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what we need. We need to get, you know, an MP for payroll into the into Lords or something. Is it Lords, the House of Lords? And then yeah, you could be that that person. So like Joe, do you do you actually relax at all? Do you do anything to relax or are you, are you <laughs> this time of year? yeah this time of year it's usually seven days a week usually because you've got the new tax year coming in um you've got all the changes and that's the other thing this thing is just constantly moving forward i feel like every other day there's always just something new popping up so this time of year the first quarter of the year is always busy um as i get into the next quarter it'll start to calm down a little bit and we'll move into things like p11d you know, that always becomes a key one as we look at May and June. Um, and then as we get to summer, I try to relax a little bit if I can have a few days off. And then, of course, before we know it, we're back into autumn and you're building up into the new tax year again. So although it is this annual cycle, I quite like it. I do. I, I love the thrill of the, um, the, the, of course, the busyness. It's amazing the work you can get through when you're pushed. And we talk about deadlines and dates, but what you can achieve is just phenomenal. And I do find that when I get to summer, although I do need a bit of a, a, a recoup, a relax, um, I don't achieve as much. You know, again, even though there's there's a task list of things for me to essentially get through, you do kind of take your foot off the, the, the accelerator a little bit. So I do find the more you have to do, you just seem to get through it. You just do it, don't we? You, you are so enthusiastic and it's so lovely to hear and and we do need people like you in the industry don't we for that driving that passion you know for for the payroll industry I, I, I kind of well ho hopefully yes it'd be nice it'd be nice um but I think for, for me it's another reason why I've gone down the you know the teaching of payroll um and again kind of seven years ago when I went freelance I thought it'd be more the consultancy really on the back of what I'd achieved of course on the on, with the software provider and I thought that's where I'd be but interestingly seven years later it's the teaching it's the teaching that I enjoy the most and that I get the most thrill from and I'm hoping it's going to encourage of course a whole new um new payroll professionals coming through the door as well okay so I think we're coming towards the end aren't we of um today's uh podcast Tiffany is we are it's flown by I mean such a great conversation and I think so I'm walking away very energized um I have to expect our listeners are as well so thank you so much Joe for everything that you shared and for the enthusiasm you shared. I think it's just completely infectious. I love it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Tiffany. It's been lovely meeting you both. Thank you very much indeed. The Humans of Payroll podcast is recorded in partnership with Amidis. Amidis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions, processing payroll in over 150 countries, the Amidis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations, real-time data analytics, and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amidis's deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers 
dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations.